The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention When you were just talking to me It is hot. Oh, yeah. There must have been something in all of that nothing that dropped me like a stone to the floor. And I must have missed something when Alrighty. you just slam in the door. Waiting on Lisa Williams. Oh, I don't mind just a little. It's driving me out of my mind. La, 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 la. Oh, would you spare me the riddle? Especially you in the blue car. And they wore a spiffy shirt for you today. Spiffy shirt, I love it. Shucks. I just went through the entire Eagle tribute for the last three days. There's literally no news here at all. Oh. It's hilarious. Do we have to do a show today? Can we just listen to Melvin Taylor? It's your show. You can do whatever he's, you like. He's playing tonight. I wanted so bad to go, but we have Lawrence High alumni in tonight. Oh, that's right. All right. I guess we'll start the show. Hi. How you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan. You're at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. want to... I'll let you know that one of our advertisers, Pleasant Valley Landscaping, Dave Id Consoli, and I had a nice conversation. Dave Id? Dave Id Consoli. And I had a great conversation the other day about a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the things that he said to me I wanted to pass along is that he is fully staffed now. I think this is the first time since COVID. Mm-hmm. And they are taking new jobs. So, Yay. I mean, it's, it's nice that people advertise just to help us, mm. but it's also good when we can help them get business because Absolutely. that's really the reason why we're here. Uh, so if you need landscaping, Pleasant Valley Landscaping is definitely the place to go. You, you call them on the phone, find them online, call them on the phone. We're the, running the, uh, the uh, phone number and stuff on the front. If you see it, grab the phone number and give them a call. Mm-hmm. Call Dave Idconsoli. Tell him that you love the show. He'll give, you, he'll, he'll give you a good price. He'll take care of you if you're one of ours. Just don't call him Dave. Don't call him Dave. Or you will not get a discount. And his mom will not make you some amazing mm-hmm. um, uh, sausages. 
So uh, you definitely don't want to call him Dave. Call him Dave Id Consoli. And you should yeah. say it that way. He likes when you say Dave Id Consoli. He really, <laughs> he really, really enjoys that. Um, also, Don Smeriglio from um, Borelli's Deli. I spoke with Don this morning. We've been saying for the I, I came up with this idea a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of tested it online. And I mentioned it a couple of times during the show that we'd like to have him come on for like just three or four minutes of every show, have him Skype in. And talk about what their specials are at Morales Deli. Um, I, I, I thank God I talked to him because he mentioned on the phone this morning that um, this weekend is Memorial Day, and I was like, "Wait, this weekend is Memorial Day? Like, I don't even know because I don't even know what day it is half the time." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's Monday this week. We have a long weekend." I'm like, "Well, I'm, first of all, I'm glad he told me, so now I can get all my business done by Friday, uh, the stuff that I need to get done next Monday." But secondly. Um, we we talked about him Skyping, and he agreed. So starting next week, we're going to do just like three or four minutes with him. we have him Skype in, show whatever his specials are. Um, I can tell you that because of restaurant week this week, the specials at Pirelli's Deli, if you buy a large sub, you get a free soup or a side salad with it. And then that's mm. pretty good. By the way, the yeah. salads there are really, really good. Really? Um, the, um, yeah, even like the chef salad and the cob salad, I usually pick up at least one of those when I'm there. And by the way, he didn't tell me to say this, but one of my favorite things at Borelli's Deli, besides the hot sausage, is the butternut squash ravioli. Just so good. Just so good. Um, I get at least one container, sometimes two, when I go to Borelli's. Um, so we've got a couple of things. We're waiting on Lisa Williams from AFC Urgent Care. Um, I, I, she's usually on time, so we may get 12 text messages. That's probably all Bob, right? Uh, let's see. Lisa Williams says she doesn't think she's going to make it. Oh, no. Isn't that great? So, all right. Thanks for coming, folks. Good night. No more show. I don't think we were doing a whole show on Lisa. I think no, she was but here she had some stuff we were going to fill some time. A um, couple of things I want to get to. He's back. Yes. He's back. Let's bring that picture up of my my buddy, my fling. Yeah. My fling, Willie Lantigua, the chief, has pulled papers for a state representative in the newly carved state rep district in Lawrence and Methuen. This is the district that um, Estella Reyes from Lawrence is running for. She's the District B city councilor. And up until Willie jumped in, it was Estella Reyes versus Methuen city councilor. Jim McCarty, who I ran into last night. We'll talk about that in a couple seconds. Um, so we, I sat down with Estella. I, I interviewed her. I talked to her a little bit for the next uh, edition of the paper. Jim McCarty doesn't talk to us on the record. Otherwise, I would do that with him too, but he, he, uh, he won't do that. So that's fine because that hurts him more than it hurts me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, she, I thought Estella had a really good game plan on how to win this election. And even though she's, she's the underdog going in, I thought she had a, a. I thought she had a chance, like a good chance, of winning. Not fifty-fifty chance, but maybe a sixty-forty chance. Sixty percent to McCarty, forty percent for Estella. But it was within reach. If she outworks him, she can beat him. And then Willie jumps in. Yeah. And you know when I when when that picture that you're seeing on the screen was taken, that was on my birthday on February twenty-fourth. Willie took me out from for, for dinner for my birthday because he wanted to tell me something. And what he told me was that he was going to run for state rep and state senate. That was that was the reason why we had lunch. And um, I waited and waited and waited for him to jump in, and he never jumped in. And I said, "Well, good. Maybe he maybe he changed his mind." Um, Surprise! You know, I, I actually should be rooting for Willie because 
if I was the kind of person Jim McCarty and Steve Saber and all those guys say that I am, and I only helped people based on my own self-interest, I'd be supporting Willie because nobody sells newspapers like Willie Lantigua. And if, if Willie Lantigua wins, that's guaranteed headlines for me for the, at least the next like two, four, or six years until he screws it up again. And, and, and I'm not. I, I, I'm going to be supporting Estella Rays. And um, it's going to be very difficult for me to support Estella as a person, but have the Valley Patriot not support Estella because the newspaper is a corporation. We have a board, we have stockholders. So who I support is not necessarily what's going to be reflected in the newspaper. And I defy anybody to go back and look at any newspaper that I've published in the last 18 years right before an election and read through it and say, okay, now I know for sure that Duggan's supporting that guy because you can't do it. Um, I tell you, I'm open about who I support because I believe in transparency. I'm going to support Estella Reyes. But I got to tell you, with Willie in the race now, she's really got like maybe her 40% shot just went down to like 30% shot because Willie is going to pull a vote in the Arlington District. That district is the Arlington District of Lawrence, of North Lawrence from the Common. It's mostly District B and some of A, and then it goes into Methuen, into the Central District of Methuen. And and, uh, Jim McCarty... He's a smart kid, and yes, he lives in his mom's basement. Yes, he doesn't have a job. Yes, he's exactly the opposite of any, but anything anybody would want in a state rep, um, but he's a smart kid. He's got the support of Billy Manzi, the former mayor of Methuen, which automatically makes him a contender, automatically, because Billy's absolutely brilliant at campaigning. He knows exactly what to do, especially in Methuen, and, uh, and Jim McCarty is also going to have the support of of, I think, the firefighters and the police. I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. I'm not saying that they have endorsed him, but I'm pretty sure that they are going to endorse him and they're going to support him because he's the Methuen, he's the Methuen counselor. And they, they, they depend upon people like Jim McCarty for their budgets and for their raises and to buy new vehicles and to buy new Kevlar vests and all that other stuff. So I can't imagine if, if the police and fire in Methuen are going to endorse someone that they're going to endorse the person from Lawrence because that would just hurt them with the council in general. This race now has become a horse race, and there is now, I don't want to say there's no chance Estella can win. She can still win, but she, in order to win, she's going to have to forget Lawrence. Just walk away from Lawrence and say, you know, like, knock on the doors in your own home precinct to make sure that your people come out, and then spend all of your time in Methuen. Get to Methuen Village, get to the uh, Manzi Park Gardens. Uh, knock on every single door in Methuen that you possibly can and go back at least. Do, do what Diana DiZoglio did. Diana DiZoglio beat a 14-year incumbent in a primary by knocking doors. And she didn't just knock 5,000 doors in her district. She went back. She kept track of who she talked to when she went door to door. And then a week or two before the election, she went back to all of the people that she had, had spoken to face-to-face to remind them when the election was, to give them another card, to make sure that they vote for her, and that's how she won. If Estella Reyes follows that model, she's got a shot at winning this election. But I, I have to say that I think if I had to call it today, Jim McCarty wins because Willie Lintigua is going to take Latino votes out of the Arlington neighborhood, and that's going to hurt Estella. And so it's all going to come out to turnout. If more people in Lawrence turn out, Estella's got a better shot. If more people in Methuen turn out, Estella's got much less of a shot. Um, I did run into Jimmy McCarty yesterday. Boy, I'll tell you, folks, when they say that politics makes strange bedfellows, <laughs> ne- never could anything be more true. And I can tell you after covering this, after, after covering politics and being involved in politics since 1985, 
since my senior year of high school, when I ran for school committee, I can tell you politics definitely makes strange bedfellows. Last night, my good fling, Marcos Devers, state representative from Lawrence, who's in a different district, had a fundraiser at Mama Juana's on uh, South Union Street. First of all, no parking, which was good to see because I really want Marcos to win. He's my friend, and I want him to win. Um, I walked in, though, and who's the very first person I saw? I looked, and I actually had to turn away from him and turn around again to make sure that I, I was seeing what I thought I was seeing. I walked in, and there's Jim McCarty from Methuen in Lawrence. It's, quite frankly, I'm shocked that he even could find where Lawrence was. And I don't think I've ever seen ever Jim McCarty. I don't think I've ever seen any Lawrence city councilor other than Una Ziegler and Jessica Finicaro being at TMF helping with the homeless. Otherwise, I've never seen a Methuen city councilor in Lawrence at any event ever. And... So walking into a Marcos Devers fundraiser to see Jim McCarty, I was like, wait, what? And then it started to make sense. As much as I didn't want it to make sense, it did. Because the split now with this election, and and, and those of you who were with me when we went over the election results in Lawrence, this will all make sense to you because you've got a a leg up because I kind of predicted some of this. Estella Reyes backed, Dan, uh, backed uh, Brian DePena for mayor in the last race last year for mayor in Lawrence. So now she's running for state rep, and Brian DePena is going to support her. And all of Brian DePena's supporters are going to support her. She's running against Jim McCarty. So Jim McCarty is at a Marcos Devers fundraiser because Marcos didn't support Brian DePena in the last election. He supported Kendris Vasquez. So Brian DePena and Marcos Devers aren't really speaking these days. They, they, they do when they have to because they're both professionals, but they're not in the same political camp. They're in opposite political camps. So it makes sense for Jim McCarty to now start sucking up to Marcos Devers to try and get some of those Marcos voters that are in that state rep district because everything got redistricted. Marcos lost a couple of precincts, but he's got some very strong supporters now that are in the other precinct that, that now Jim McCarty's running to represent. And because... Brian DePena is with Estella Reyes. He's also with Francisco Polino, who's running against Marcos. So Brian's got his slate of candidates. It's Francisco Polino or Estella Reyes for those two state rep seats in those two districts. And so Marcos Devers, he needs votes in Methuen because he now has two Methuen precincts. So him and Jim McCarty are teaming up. Wow. My best friend and my worst enemy are now working together. Who would have fucking thought? Like in my in my wildest dreams, I never could a year ago I never could have never could have even dreamed of such a scenario. But here we are. Politics does make strange bedfellows. And it makes sense politically. I just hope it doesn't hurt Marcos. I just hope it doesn't hurt him. Because all the scandals that, that Jim McCarty's been involved in and all the hatred that he's ginned up in the you know, there are people who love Jim McCarty, but there are a lot of people who hate Jim McCarty. And so I'm hoping, because I want Marcos to win, he's my friend. I, I, I can't believe I'm on the same side as Jim McCarty on anything, but here I am. And I'm just hoping that Jim McCarty's support of Marcos isn't going to hurt him. That's just me. And, um, you know, I know Francisco Polino is going to be buying ads in the Valley Patriot. And I'm, and I'm going to be very fair in that race. I'm going to do a bio on both candidates. And you, when you read it, you're not going to be able to tell that I'm with Marcos. But I'm telling you, I'm with Marcos. And... It, it, it hurts a little bit to be with Marcos and Jim McCarty um, because cause, cause they're working together. Because I'm with Estella in that other race. So it's hard for me now. I'm split. Everybody's got their teams, but I don't. 
And I, I generally don't ever really have a team. I just kind of look at the people that I think will be best for the community, and I kind of go with that. And it's kind of one of the reasons why Billy Manzi and I are up on opposite ends of uh, of elections. Like, Billy's been one of my best friends for years and years and years, and probably longer than I've known Marcos. And it's one of the reasons why he and I are on opposite sides of a lot of stuff now. Because I don't, I don't pick teams. I just pick the people that I think that are the best. So that's that's your breaking news. Willie Lantique was back, and I got to tell you, he's got a shot. He does have a shot. And anybody who thinks that he doesn't, doesn't know Willie. That's all I'm going to say. Don't think that just because he lost for mayor and he lost the last two times he ran for state rep that he can't win, because he's kind of like Donald Trump. As soon as you think he can't win, that's when he wins. That's when he pulls out all the stops. And, of course, he cheats. So that, you know, that makes it a lot easier for Willie to win. And because there are people, mostly Democrats, and this is a Democrat primary, and the Democrats run around saying, there's no such thing as cheating. You can't cheat in an election. It's impossible. You can't do it. And as long as they have that attitude, Willie's going to continue getting away with cheating. Because if you say somebody can't cheat and they're cheating, it's just going to make it harder for you to catch them cheating. So... That's that on on that uh, issue. The Republican convention was this weekend. I got to tell you, you Republicans, you got to do a better job at marketing yourself. I'm a right-wing conservative. I'm looking to vote for a Republican for governor. I didn't see one news story on Facebook. I didn't see one news story in any of the local newspapers about who won and who lost the Republican convention. So I had to go looking for the information myself. And that's pretty sad as a voter and as a member of the press, you would think people would be sending me press releases if they're candidates for office to let me know if they won or they lost in the convention. Usually people don't tell you when they lose, but if, the, if you win the convention, you might want to get a press release out to the press so that they can maybe, I don't know, write a story about how you won your convention. I did get one press release from Jeff Deal, who apparently won like three to one over Chris Doty. But I have to tell you that the conventions mean nothing when it comes to primaries, right? So the the the... The parties have their conventions, and it's basically, forgive my French, it's a little crude, but it's what it is. It's a mutual masturbation society. That's what it is. It's a circle jerk. All the people on the inside decide who they want to represent their party, and they pick the people that they think they can control. And, and that's not a, a knock at, at Jeff. That's just the way that it is across the board, nationally and statewide. And generally... The person who wins the convention loses, at least Republicans in mass, the person who wins the convention loses the primary. I remember supporting um, uh, Steve Pierce for governor back in 1990. I was a big Steve Pierce guy. I was a Steve Pierce delegate. He won that, that, that convention overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly he won over Bill Weld. Bill Weld became your governor. And I can give you 20 more examples of people who won the convention and then lost the primary. And the person who beat them in the primary ended up winning the election. So I'm not sure why we even have conventions anymore. It's really kind of, um, it's really kind of a circus. It's a show. It's airing of the dirty laundry of all the stuff that's going on politically on the inside of a, of a campaign. Um, I watched the Democrat conventions. And this is coming up, I think, next month. Usually when I watch the Democrat conventions, it's a little bit more interesting in Massachusetts because there's only four Republicans, you know, and everybody else is a Democrat in Mass. So it's good to see the infighting, to see, like, who doesn't get along with who. Because as, as a troublemaker, I like to make I, – I just – I like to make trouble. And so when I watch the Democrat conventions, I look and see who is it that the party doesn't like, and then I support them. 
because I am not a Republican, I'm an independent, and I pull a Democrat ballot in the primary, so I can always vote for Diana DiZaglio in the primary. So these conventions, they really generally mean nothing, but if you win a convention, if you're running for um, auditor, if you're running for attorney general, if you're running for any of these, you guys need to be reaching out to the press. And I'm going to say one more time, if you're a candidate for office, you've got to put your party on your website, and you've got to put your party on your Facebook page. And on election day, you need to be posting on your Facebook page whether you won or you lost. Because people like me need the information. And on election night, it's, impo- it's nearly impossible unless you physically go to that town and go to their city clerk and get the actual numbers to find out who won and who lost on election day. So please do that if you're a candidate. Uh, what else do we have uh, here? So we had uh, a couple things on Memorial Day. Memorial Day still is this weekend. Thanks to Don Smirglio for letting me know. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have. Memorial Day is a day to honor those veterans who lost their lives serving our country. A lot of people confuse Veterans Day and Memorial Day. And growing up, I did the same thing. They kind of seem like the same thing. We're just honoring veterans. Veterans Day, excuse me, is to honor all our veterans living and dead. Memorial Day is to honor those who lost their lives serving their, serving their country. And tonight at the Lawrence High Alumni Banquet, which I will be at, and I believe I will be speaking. They asked me last night if I can speak again uh, tonight. Um, they're going to be doing a dedication to, um, uh, uh, her name is uh, Pichado, who lost her life, the last the last troop to lose, last American service member to lose their life in Afghanistan during the pullout. And it was a big thing. It was national. The, the funeral, we, we did a whole show on the funeral one day. Tonight, her, her family's going to be there, and they're going to do a dedication to her, and that's going to be really, really nice. I'm going to hope to go live so that you guys can see it. But if for some reason, a lot, a lot of times I can't get a signal in that room, so if I can't, I'm gonna, I'll videotape it, and then we'll post it afterwards. Uh, what do we got? we got 18 minutes left. Good. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the shooting yesterday because I'm going to find myself repeating myself. And those of you who are regular listeners or, or, or viewers of the show, I kind of just get sick of hearing me repeat myself. But there was another mass shooting. And the minute this mass shoot, the bodies weren't even carried out of the friggin' building yet. And you had politicians and members of the press on TV desecrating the Desecrating the bodies, desecrating the lives of the, ki- the children, third grade children who were dead, desecrating them and their family by making it political, by going on TV and talking about why can't we get rid of guns? He had an assault weapon. He had a rifle. He had a handgun and he had a rifle. He didn't really, uh, it was an AR. It was an AR. An AR is a rifle, folks. That's all it is. It's a rifle. It's not a machine gun. It's a rifle. It's no different than a handgun. It's no different than a 9mm. I have a, Spring, I have a, uh, a Springfield 9mm that I carry. I carry because I have to, right? And I don't know. I'm not a gun nut. I don't know a lot about guns. I know a lot about my gun because I have to have one. But I, but I can tell you that I've shot an AR. It's no different than any, any other regular rifle, except it's got a bunch of attachments on it that make it look more scary. And this is what they're calling an assault rifle. And immediately... You've got politicians, including the President of the United States, going on TV and blaming the NRA and the, quote, gun lobby. The gun lobby did not walk into a school and shoot children. The, quote, gun lobby is not for 
people walking into schools and shooting people. The, quote, gun law, by the way, the NRA doesn't even exist anymore. They're in Chapter 11. They're filing bankruptcy. There is no more NRA. So I'm not even sure who it is that they're railing against at this point anymore. But people who lobby, people who lobby for our Second Amendment right to carry a weapon and defend ourselves in time of need are not for people walking into malls or schools or city halls and shooting people. And they're not responsible for it. And I actually heard a couple of people on uh, CNN and MSNBC last night blame Republicans. If only the Republicans would get out of the way, we could stop these shootings. Now, let me ask you guys something. You're all pretty bright if you, if you view or you listen to this show. Do you really think that if someone's mentally ill and they have determined that they want to go out and they want to kill people, that the government can stop them? Do you think any red flag law is going to stop someone from going out and getting a gun? It'll stop them from buying a gun legally, but I could walk down to Park and Hampshire Street right now. I could get in my car, drive to Park and Hampshire Street, and buy an illegal gun in Lawrence. I can get in my car right now and go to downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, and I can buy a gun off the street. In under an hour, I could find somebody that would sell me a gun. Easily. Easily. I've seen it happen. I've watched it happen. So if someone decides that they want to go out and they want to commit violence, no law written on a piece of paper is going to stop them. Don't believe me? Okay. Ask any woman who's ever gotten a restraining order. This is what I don't understand about the Democrats and the media. Everything they say goes exactly against everything else that they say. Ask any woman who's got a restraining order, because there are tens of thousands of women who are dead today, because they went out and they got a restraining order against their boyfriends or their husbands or, or whoever else, family member, whatever. And as soon as that guy got served with the restraining order, he took a gun, went to the girlfriend's house, and blew her away. A piece of paper means shit to criminals. The law means nothing to criminals. And by the way, the way our country's going, the law really doesn't mean anything to most people anymore. I heard for four years, nobody's above the law, not even the president. Every time Nancy Pelosi came out and talked about Donald Trump, it was no one is above the law, not even the president of the United States. The Democrats in Congress, the Democrats on MSNBC and CNN and ABC came on every day and said, no one is above the law, not even the president. Yet at the same time, we've opened our borders and let people come into this country illegally against the law. And DAs all over America are letting people out of prison who broke the law. And DAs all over America, uh, these George Soros DAs all over America, are not prosecuting people for gun crimes because no one's against the, nobody's above the law, not even the president. So we've got a culture now in this country where the law really doesn't mean anything anymore, does it? It just doesn't. So what, what makes these people think, what makes anybody think that passing another gun law is going to stop someone from committing a crime? Look at Chicago. Chicago has the strictest gun laws in the country. There were more shootings in Chicago last year than there were in the entire state of Texas. Didn't work. Washington, D.C., there was a mass shooter. I think the last mass shooting we talked about was in Washington, D.C., I think the last show we did was the Washington, D.C. shooter. Washington, D.C. has stricter gun laws than Chicago. And yet there was a mass shooting there. How about New York City? We had a bunch of shootings in New York City over the last 30, 40 days. A bunch of mass shootings. Two in schools, one on a subway. In, in, in New York City, you can't, carry, you can't even carry a gun in New York City. I have a gun license in Massachusetts. If I go to New York City, I can't bring my gun. There's no reciprocity. 
They don't recognize the gun laws of other states in New York City, in New York State. So do you really think when a mass shooting happens that we should do the same thing we keep doing over and over and over and over and over again with no results? Apparently our politicians, our so-called leaders think that. CNN certainly thinks that. The people that run MSNBC think that. The Boston Globe certainly thinks that. They really believe that if they take all of your guns, bad people won't get guns. Or do they? I happen to think maybe they don't. I happen to think maybe this is on purpose. They want to defund the police on the one hand, and they want to take away your guns to defend yourself when the cops can't come to help you. Does that sound like a bunch of leaders who really care about Americans? Does that really sound like a bunch of leaders who care about you and your family? And I keep hearing during these gun discussions, every time there's a shooting, what does somebody need a weapon of war for? What do they need weapons of war? Again, first of all, an AR-15 is just a rifle. It's not a weapon of war. I know people who are deployed right now. They're not using AR-15s. They're using machine guns, okay? It's not an automatic weapon, no matter what CNN tries to lead you to think that it is. But does anybody really think that getting rid of our guns, making more strict gun laws is going to make any difference whatsoever? It's not. And you know what? I should have the right to have an AR if I want one, and so should you. I think every, I told my daughter this. I told every woman that I know this. You should have a gun license. Even if you don't buy a gun, get a gun license. Because there may come a day when you need a gun. If you've got a gun license, all you have to do is go purchase the gun. I think there's a, in, I think there's a 24-hour waiting period, maybe, in Massachusetts. I don't think I waited 24 hours on mine, so maybe that's gone in Mass. Um, but you should have one. Everyone should have one. And if I want to have an AR-15... What do I need a weapon of war for? Well, let's see. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's just be logical. When the hurricane happened down in Louisiana and during the Bush administration, and there was total lawlessness, the police, you couldn't call the police. There was no phone lines, right? The entire, all of New Orleans was underwater. And there were looters with guns going from house to house, raping and killing people and stealing stuff. During the Rodney King riots, during the riots last summer, Let's just go to the BLM riots last summer where people were being murdered. CNN was telling you it was a peaceful protest. People were being murdered. Buildings were being burned down. It was an insurrection. They were burning down courthouses. They were burning down police stations. If you were living in that area and you called the police for help, there were no police to call. They were very busy being killed. They were very busy handling the riots that were going on, the mayhem that was going on. So when the police are not five minutes away from a phone call, when society breaks down, as it has a numerous times in the last 10 years that we've witnessed, and you don't have a gun to defend yourself, you're fucked. You and your family are screwed. You know, if you go back, and I, I remember when this happened live, and so I, I, I made a note of it, even though I was, I was a kid, I think I was in my early 20s maybe, when Rodney King happened. When Rodney King happened, They were burning down neighborhoods in L.A., and when they got to Little Chinatown, all of that stopped because the people who lived in Chinatown, the Chinese immigrants who had come here, they were well-armed, and they went up on the roofs of their building and started shooting down at the people that were storming their building, trying to burn it down. And all of a sudden, the rioters found somewhere else to burn down. All of a sudden, the rioters found somewhere else and someone else to victimize. They survived. Because they had weapons to defend themselves. And if, you, and if nothing that I just said makes, and still makes no sense to you, 
and you're a, you're a left-wing liberal and it still doesn't make and you still don't believe me, then think about what's going on today in Ukraine. I bet you the people living in Ukraine never thought they'd need a weapon today. But they do. Because now all of a sudden you can't call the police when the Russian tank is coming down Boxford Street in downtown or Main Street in downtown. What will work? Is there anything the government can do to stop these kind of shootings? No, there isn't. And I disagree with all the, all the people on Fox last night that were saying, well, there's measures we can take. Yes, there's measures you can take, but you're not going to stop them. You can maybe prevent sometimes, maybe you can prevent somebody somewhere down the line by having more cops in the schools, right? So maybe instead of him killing 18 kids, he kills three. But if someone's intent on killing someone, they're still going to do it. And red flag laws don't work. And making new laws about an 18-year-old, everybody's talking about is an 18-year-old who uh, shouldn't have been able to buy a gun. By the way, this is the first mass shooting that I've seen where the shooter bought the gun legally. He's an 18-year-old kid. And if they'd had every background check Joe Biden wants us to have, he still would have been able to get a gun because there's nothing in his background. So talking about that, after 18 children are dead and two teachers are dead, two adults are dead, it's meaningless. It's absolute meaningless. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't bring us together. It doesn't comfort the families. It doesn't help that neighborhood. It doesn't help the people who knew those kids. So why do we do it? And by the way, why do we put up with it? We know why they do it. They do it. The politicians and the media do it because they want more power. If they can create more laws and they can confiscate more guns, they can have more power. That's what they want. They want the government to have more power. Call it socialism, call it communism, whatever ism you want to call it. I'm just going to say they want more power. But it doesn't stop any crime. I think everyone should carry a gun. Everyone should carry. Unless, unless you're a felon, unless you've committed some kind of domestic violence, everyone should carry a gun. Everybody should be able to carry a gun. Now, I grew up in Lawrence. A lot of guns in Lawrence, a lot of illegal guns in Lawrence. But I'll tell you what, the only thing that stops an illegal gun is a, is a good guy with a gun. And that's, and that's absolutely true. Think about this. We, 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 we protect our president with Secret Service agents that carry guns. And we protect our federal buildings with Secret Service agents and Treasury agents that carry guns. And we protect our neighbors by calling police who can come with a gun to protect us. But when it comes to children... We don't want to arm teachers. We don't want to have more police officers in the schools. The Democrat response to that is, well, you can't solve the gun problem with more guns. Well, you guys certainly want to solve the racism problem with more racism, right? I mean, it's okay to be racist against white people because, you know, other people when back 100 years ago treated black people bad. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I will say that it's not a gun problem. There are more guns in this country than there are people, and yet this school shooting is an anomaly. It doesn't happen that often. When it does, we all talk about it. It seems to be happening more lately, and I don't think anybody has a real answer to that as to why. But I can tell you what contributes to it. If you're constantly telling young men that they're worthless, if you're constantly medicating young men because they have depression issues or ADHD issues, if you're constantly telling men, young boys, that they're not as important as women, 
if you're constantly telling young white boys that they're not as important as black people or minorities, that they're responsible for slavery, that they're responsible for oppressing people, that they're responsible for a systematic racism, yeah, you're going to have a bunch of people in that next generation coming up that are going to be a little violent and angry, I think. And when the government makes it almost impossible for families to stay together today, the one thing, by the way, the two things that all of, almost all of these mass shooters have in common, I won't say all because there's always an exception to the rule, but almost every single one of these mass shooters has two things in common. No dad at home, no mom and dad at home, and almost every single one of them was on some kind of psychological drug. And Big Pharma doesn't want you to talk about that. So you know what we talk about? We talk about guns. But again, if guns were the problem, this would be happening every day because there are more guns in this country than people. CNN pointed that out a hundred times today. Why can't we get rid of the guns? There's more guns than there are people, as if that's a bad thing. But if you look at it statistically, it's actually a pretty good thing. Because with all of those guns, with all of those gun owners, this doesn't happen every day. It doesn't even happen once a week. It is happening more frequently, though. And we have to ask ourselves why. And we can't do that as long as we're running around talking about more laws, confiscating guns, blaming Republicans, and making it political. The only way we're going to solve this is getting to the root of the problem. Now, I don't have all the answers. I think I have some of them, maybe. But I do have the right questions. And sometimes having the right questions is more important than having the right answers. And the right questions are, why aren't we talking about the fact that almost every single one of these school shooters had no mom and dad at home? I think the exception was Columbine. But other than that, most of these kids don't have a mom and dad at home. Most of these kids are on psychological drugs. And no one wants to talk about it. I would love to see what this kid that did the shooting yesterday or the day before, because all my days merged together. I would love to see his toxicological report. I would love to see what drugs he was on. I'd love to see what the last three or four or ten mass shooters, the drugs that they were on. Because it does leak out into the press later on if there's a trial, but this kid's dead. Thank God this kid's dead. I'm glad he's dead. I'm sorry, I just am. If you're going to take a gun and you're going to go hurt people, kill yourself first. He was actually killed by a member of Border Patrol. And, you know, that actually opens up another question, doesn't it? If Uvalde, Texas defunded the police the way the Democrats wanted them to, if they had defunded the police, you might have 50 dead kids. You might have 100 dead kids today in Uvalde, Texas. If we had gotten rid of Border Patrol the way the Democrats and Joe Biden wanted us to do, you'd have 100 dead kids instead of 30 dead kids or 18 dead kids. So I don't know what the answer is, but I know that what they tell you on TV is the answer, definitely not the answer. And we need to start asking our elected officials to be a little bit more uh, realistic about this and stop giving us the bullshit talking points. If I hear one more person say, we have to have more stricter gun laws, stricter gun laws. I just ask them, I just, I sit there and I go, do they not know any woman that's ever filed a restraining order? Like, do these people really think that having more gun laws is going to work? Because it's not. And I actually think they know that. And I, I think they don't really care. I think they want more violence in America, more mayhem, more crime, more death, more destruction, consolidates power for the federal government. And that's what they're trying to do. And on the day that this happened, the day after this happened, Joe Biden comes out, the President of the United States, and what's his solution? More restrictions on cops. 
Yeah, he signed an executive order yesterday. More restrictions on cops. More restrictions on, what, on, on the types of things that cops can do. Is that really 48 seconds? We're done? Well, all right. I want to thank our sponsors. You can roll up Mel. McLennan Real Estate Century 21. We love them on Broadway and Methuen. AFC Urgent Care. Lisa was supposed to be here with us today, but I guess something came up. She's going to have to buy me lunch now. That's the, uh, or maybe she can become as my date tonight. Maybe I can make, have her make it up by being my date tonight uh, at Lawrence High Alumni Association. Marcin Ensign Construction. We just got him a good job on, on Main Street in North Andover. Um, I'm going to be meeting with him on Friday. EIS, Investigation and Gun Training. Morelli's Deli, he's going to be on the show every week starting next week talking about his specials. Uh, make sure that you go down to Morelli's Deli for uh, Memorial Day. Before Memorial Day, buy a large sub, get a free uh, soup or salad with that. Tomo and Shaken Seafood. Clear Path for Veterans, New England. Who else do you have? Lazy River Products in Drakeit. Make sure that you uh, go to all of our advertisers and our sponsors and let them know. Also, Pleasant Valley Landscaping, he's, uh, they, they are now um, open for bookings if you need landscaping. Make sure you give Dave Id Consoli a call. Thank you, Chrissy. Appreciate another great job again, as always. Melvin Taylor says you got to go home, so go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.